I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. And we have, but we have just Eddie. It's Kevin Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Marie. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Pinson. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sordo with Rover's Choice. And this is another podcast interview. And instead of going the high school route, which is a lot of what we do, or the semi-pro sort of Olympic rower, we're going program coach at the collegiate level. I've known this guy for almost a decade now, which seems to be a reoccurring theme. This is Brian Conley over at Lehigh. Brian, thanks for being here today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always good to sort of hang out with you. <laughs> That's a really great compliment. Uh, <laughs> so I, I asked the same question over and over and over again. Um, where were you? How old were you when you took that first stroke? Freshman year of high school, uh, I had showed up late to tryouts for rowing at St. Joe's, and uh, we uh, very first day was a twenty five hundred meter erg test. Like that was Wait. my very. Who was your yeah. coach? Who was your coach at St. Joe's Prep to, to make you do a twenty five hundred meter? Because that that's a unique distance, right? That's that's a very eighties. That was the standard back then. I, I know, but that just, you just told me everything about your age right there, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not young anymore, man. I'm sorry. Holy cow. All right. So, all right. So 2,500, who was your coach then? Who, who registered you in? So it was, uh, our freshman coaches were Luce and Quanto. And then you'll start recognizing these names, Brian Perkins. Wow. And Mark Valeni. Okay. You had, all right. You, they're freshman coaches for you? They were my freshman coaches in high school. Dude, yeah. how lucky are you <laughs> to yeah. have these guys, man? Yeah. All right, that's super cool. So what year What year was your freshman year at St. Joe's Prep? That was uh, January of 1995. Wow. Okay, so there's a lot of guys that ran through that, that cycle, 95 to 2001. You were one of the fastest premier high schools in the country. What was the vibe? between the varsity and sort of the novice was what was that like back then uh i mean we we just kind of looked in all of those guys because the 95 boat was a was a great fast henley boat and they were the first ones really to win both stotesbury and sra nationals um from the prep so we just looked at them as kind of like gods as 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 first years like we just we, we we didn't know like what we were sort of seeing but they just kept winning so it was Let's let's do what they're doing. Well, I mean, kept winning is an understatement. Let's let's be real. I mean, St. Joe's Prep in the late '90s, early 2000s was unstoppable. One of the guys here at Rower's Choice, Mike Wallen. I know you're connected to him. Like yep. he came in. I used to drive him to practice. I love that. I love <laughs> that. And and was he as cocky as he said he 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 was? Was that guy just just full of it? Not at first, but yes. <laughs> I love that. All right. So fast forward. I want to know your senior year. St. Joe's prep senior year. This is like 98, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, were you in the varsity eight at that time? I was in and out of the varsity eight that year. So yeah. I finished out the season in, in the midweight eight. Right. Had had that back Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, so senior year, senior year, we raced ahead uh, of the Charles. So speaking of the Charles, wow. and we we won that event um, for the youth eight that year, 
And the head of the trials refused to initially give us our medals because they thought we were all all-stars because the previous year we had all won SRA nationals. So we all won like, do you remember those Vespoli national championship shirts they used to yes. have? Yes. So we all, that was our uniform that we wore. Like you want to talk about cocky. That's what we did. I mean, you're, you're basically like punching everyone in the face at that point. Yeah. Like, we, give did. Me my medal. we did. Wow. Yeah. All right. So then you had huge success in high school, which led you, I believe, to Penn, right? Like yes. you rode at Penn. So this is, again, like you're in this era of the best rowing in the world. Like American rowing in the late 90s, early 2000s, second to none. Who was your coach there at Penn? So Bruce Kanopka. Yeah. So I had Bruce Kanopka and then Steve Perry actually came in uh, my senior year. And was wow. was helping out with the freshman team then. So wow. So was it was it your time at Penn that just said I got to do this for a living? Like I want to be a coach. No, like I actually didn't plan to stay in the rowing. Like wow. It, every time I tried to leave the sport, I got sucked back in. So like it, it was crazy. So finished Penn. Told my parents I didn't I didn't really win a ton of races in college. Let me let me just get it out of my system in the summer. I raced the summer. Ted Nash like pulled me and another guy, Bjorn Larson, aside. Said, "I want to train. I want you guys to train with me uh, for the next like cycle." We're like, "Sure." And then I got injured. Started coaching Laura Marion, and my grandmother is actually the one that said, "Like, there's something that keeps pulling you back in. Mm. Like, just listen to it." That's so. the well. I mean, look, dude, you you've been doing this long enough. You've been doing this for over 25 years. That's the same for everybody in our sport, right? I mean. Yeah. It's the same. Yes. So you keep getting drawn back in. The same thing for me. Same thing for everybody else. Um, what was your goal career? I mean, forget about being drawn in. What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? I thought I was going to be a cop. <laughs> I love it. Like in Philly, like Philly cop. Like so. No, I was. Uh, I signed up for the Jersey State Troopers. Like I was going through the process with all that, and uh, yeah, and that's that's what I thought I was going to do. And I, I love that. And clearly <laughs> not the case. So let's uh, I'm really interested. There's a topic that I really want to get into because I think these young coaches would really like to hear how you do it. But you do these small jobs. You're in the coaching and then Lehigh. Like when did Lehigh come into play? When did you become the coach there? So August of 2010, I got the job here um, and I'd been working at Dartmouth with Dan Rook that previous year. Oh, great um, program. Great program. Yeah. And, uh, and I just being a part of Dartmouth, like I came in right when they, they just sort of had their worst sort of season. And then we ended up winning the Ivy championship there. And mm. I just mm. always was drawn to programs that, you know, weren't sort of at the best, but, but could be in some way, shape or form. So, but that's odd. I mean, I, I want to know why, because, you know, you were at St. Joe's prep dominating, Penn, another fantastic program. What what made you want to be with those underdog type programs? It actually was my time at Penn because again, like I said, like we didn't we didn't win the Ivy Championship or anything there. But from the time I set foot on campus to the time I left, and even two years after that, the program just got better and better and better. Okay. And so i I took more joy out of seeing that development. Um, and knowing I had a part of it than, than anything else. And I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I, I love winning and I, I did a lot of winning and, 
And I, I do struggle with that sometimes, but at the end of the day, when I see like what I created, that's, that's mine. Nobody can take that away from me. So Lehigh, let's be real prior to 2010 really wasn't a program, right? I mean, no. so, so how, you know, you're, I'm just trying to picture Brian Conley in Dartmouth. You're like, this job comes up, forgive my language. It could be a shit job. No one really knows who you are. (laughs) How, like, how do you convince yourself to take that leap? It's a big leap. So the, if I'm going to be honest, like I just looked like they couldn't, they couldn't be any worse. <laughs> like, okay. Like, okay. but I, I looked at the program and I was like, you know what? Like they're division one. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. It was right when the AQ was coming out for the NCAAs. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, there's no reason why that athletic department won't get behind a program to try to try to commit to an AQ. And so, yeah. like, that was part of my whole pitch in the interview process. Yeah. And if if they responded to it, then I was like, okay, like, this is kind of what where they want to go. And a lot how of my questions are on that. How hard is the interview process? Now, this is 11 years ago, but it seemed – I talked to a lot of coaches that interview at a lot of places, and, they, and I always hear the same, like, oh, I didn't get it. Somebody else got – is that a difficult interview process at the NCAA level? It's – it's it's difficult if you just if people are looking for people with head coaching experience, which that's the hardest part. Like I was always struggling to get an interview anywhere else because the response was, "Well, you don't have any head coaching experience." Well, how am I supposed to get head coaching experience? <laughs> if you don't hire me. Like, yeah, yeah, good point. Interesting. All right, so describe if you can your first couple weeks at Lehigh, you walk in, you're a new coach, there's kids there. They really don't know what they're doing. Like what's that first week like? Uh, it was, it was a culture shock for one. Cause as you pointed out, like I'd only been really around like top, top end programs. Right. Um, so I came in and I, I simply said to the team, Hey, like I've looked at your results. Like you guys beat Lafayette last year. And that's, that's great. Like, but let's, let's be beating them by like 30, 45 seconds as opposed to one. Well, the team responded in, in like, how dare you like <laughs> put down our result? And I was like, that's not what I was doing. Um, so I, I realized I had to like change my expectations, meet them where they're at. Um, I actually called Dan Rook like that night and said like, Dan, you didn't give away my job yet. Right. Cause I don't know where to start with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something really powerful. You just said, there's two things you said that I think a coach really needs to absorb one. You leaned as much as it could be like, Oh, I kind of want that job back. You leaned on your connections, right? You called Dan and said, I'm sure the conversation wasn't just, can I get a job back? It's like, yeah. <laughs> what do I do, man? Like I need some help. Right. Yeah. And the second thing is you sort of got out of your own way and you realized that the way you've done things in the past sure as hell ain't working at, at Lehigh. Yeah. yeah. I'm That's a very a big, different coach than I was like at Dartmouth or anywhere else. So, so when you came into Lehigh, paint this picture better for me. There were boys and girls, just girls. Like what were you walking into? So I'm the head coach of the men and women's program. The women are a varsity, varsity sport. The men are a club sport. So it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. Um, but we treat each, each program equally. Um, and so just sort of setting the expectation of like, this is what we need to do in order to win a Patriot league championship or win the dad veil. Like, mm. what do you guys think of that? And 
the responses, like I, I was expecting, like, yeah, we should be winning that. And that was not the responses I was getting. Um, and it was, it just made me aware of just sort of where their starting point was, um, which, you know, it, it wasn't a great spot. So, uh, you know, so, okay. There's a bunch of programs out there, Michigan, UVA, where it's an NCAA one sport for the girls and a club for the guys. I would imagine if I'm a guy at Lehigh, I'm so angry at the women for having all of these other opportunities that we don't have, right? I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just thinking from an egotistical standpoint, a, a you know, having road at the NCAA type level, the IRA, how do you, how do you manage the, the two clubs? That just seems difficult to me as the, because you're the program guy, you're running the show. How, how do you manage that? Uh Again, like I, I, I'm very transparent. I, if you're going to sit here and come into a program where there is that dynamic, the athletes have to really understand what they're what they are and what their role is. That that's what I really believe. So, like with the men and the women, like again, we treat them equitably, so they have access to a lot of the same facilities and things like that. But at the end of the day, like I will absolutely tell the men, like, hey, in terms of my decision making process, like this is how it works in this, in this cigar, this regard. Um, and yeah, there's been some pushback with it, but at the end of the day, like they know I'm being flat out honest with them. I'm not, I'm not trying to like do anything to like undermine them, but they also know that I'm also fighting for them too. Like that's the key part there is the athletes got to know you're always on their side and that you're trying to push forward both programs, not just one. And if they, if they know that, that's good. So how much, so delegation, how much coaching staff do you have at Lehigh? How big is it? We have, we have one full-time, two part-time assistants and a grad assistant. And they're all there equally spread out among the program. For right? the mo- like our grad assistant works more primarily with the men than, than our women at all. And then who do you focus on day to day? Like where, where, where are you sitting in the launch? So, okay. So John Bancary, right. The guy that coached me a long time ago, yeah, love that John. guy would bounce from, oh, everyone loves John, but he would bounce from program to program, boat to boat. He never really emphasized all of his time on one based from my experience at Grand Valley that I knew him from. And, and even, you know, at, at Marietta, he would sometimes bounce around. Do you do the same or do you focus? I focus. Um, so like I will focus most of my days on the women. Um, and then I do, I do spend a day or two with, with the men. Um, but even in that regard, like the men have an assigned coach. Um, and so they know on a consistent basis, like this is who they're going out with. And that makes them feel like one, the coach kind of owns them, but two, they have somebody to go to at all times. Um, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Now let, let's talk about the growth. So 11 years from the time you started, what was it like now then to today? Like forget about pandemic aside, like let, let's, let's take 2019 as your numbers, mate, because it's, it affected everybody. So 11 or 10 to 2019. So team had finished about 30 seconds behind last place in the Patriot league. Um, okay. Yeah. Not great. And then we were in a, we were in a bunch of debt um, as a program. Uh, we'd only fundraised about $6,000 the previous year from when I got here. Um, and you know that doesn't do anything in rowing. Oars. Um, uh, right. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and so now we're fundraising anywhere between one hundred dollars to $140,000 a year, wow. recruiting, 
is is really solid. We now have access to some scholarship money for the women. Um, we flipped the entire fleet of boats over for our program. We're Amazing. looking to eventually develop a boathouse uh, at Lake Nakamixon. Um, and the team has won its first ever medals at Patriots since since I've been here, and we've won medals at Dadville. So, like, complete we went from not the, complete total, but like we haven't won that we haven't won either one of those yet, and we're going to, but we're just not there yet. I mean, that's such a what a huge. I mean, okay, from being able to fundraise six thousand dollars to one hundred forty thousand dollars consistently, that in itself is a huge accomplishment. But what that tells me is that your alumni your reach, your stability is just, it, that keeps improving, right? And yeah. that you get more people behind the program, which after 20 years of you doing this, you're going to sure as hell win some races. I mean, right. that 10 years in rowing is not a long time. I think no. you, know, you know that intimately no. well. I mean, for God's sakes, St. Joe's prep was how old when you walked in in 1995? Uh, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, forever. Yeah, <laughs> forever. Right? <laughs> and and so on. So, what do you have? Let's uh, let's pretend you were talking to Brian from 2010. What advice would you have for him as he's starting Lehigh right now? What what have you learned in those nine years? Number one, your staff makes a big difference. Mm. Like you need to hire the right staff. Um, I think. I, th- I think that's that's where a lot of coaches can can sort of shoot themselves in the foot. They hire the first person that's willing to sort of come. And I think there's there's something to be said for just taking the time to find the right fit for what you need in that program. And then yeah. number two, reach out to your oldest alums and your youngest alums and get them sort of on board uh, as quickly as you can in terms of like the story that you want to create at the program, not necessarily uh-huh. where the program's at i like that uh, i like that let me just let's let's emphasize that for a second because people need to hear don't tell the story of what happened tell it what you want it to be that that's a that's a powerful statement and you got to be a good storyteller to do that but a visionary right you can't just say hey we're going to win some championship because anyone listening to you is going to say no you're full of shit like right it's going to take a long time I, I, so right. i like that i like the tell the story you want to tell that's a good thing all right sorry to interrupt keep going no all good um but i i think doing that allows them to sort of like get behind you financially and then you've got to spend all of your time recruiting and recruiting that first year for us was a high focus on leadership people not necessarily the fastest people Mm. um so because i in order for me to change the culture here like i needed people that were going to last four years no matter what the results were but we're just, we're solidly good people. Um, and we found a couple of them, which made a big difference. And we found a couple more and then we find, then we started finding some speed to be back that up. And that's, that's where everything started changing. I guess you learned, you learned a lot of that stuff pre Lehigh, right? You probably learned from the pitfalls of coaching lower Marion and, and all yep. the things that happened at Dartmouth. Uh, you know, so you know that I, I'm constantly thinking here and a question that popped in my head here is what advice do you have for a coach who's interviewing for a head coach position that has no head coach position experience, right? <laughs> like, cause I, I'm sure if you have the perfect answer, that's the golden bullet, but like, what, what do you say to that person trying to get a job? Administrators want to know if you can, you can fundraise. Fundraise. Yeah. So they it's about the money, if- huh? 
Yeah. I mean, it always is. We're an expensive sport and it's not getting any cheaper. Like, you know, so at the end of the day, like they got to know you're not going to put them in a financial like crisis scenario just by purchasing boats or anything like that. Now, so, okay, so you're, you're, so you're a head coach and you're the one doing interviews now for assistance. Does the difference this, I, I'm actually really interested in this because I think that this is the case, but maybe I'm wrong. If someone has 10 years of coaching high school experience and they want to get into college, it, it, is that a big jump, a big leap these days? Or are you open to hiring someone with no college experience whatsoever? I, it, I mean, you can't answer that, man. Like there, there's such a wide spectrum um, mm. at both the college level and high school level, but I'm never one to shut off you know, hiring an assistant coach right out of the high school level. Like, you know, I, I, I know a bunch of guys that have, that have coached at the high school level. Um, some of them I hire, some of them I wouldn't just because of, you know, different philosophies in terms of approach. Um, right. But at the end of the day, like if, if they're getting results, then I'm going to take a look at them. Um, if, yeah. if they're, if they're building a program, then they're doing something right that, you know, I, I, I'm more curious about to, to potentially hire um, than not. So, but if, if they're just taking yeah. over program and it's just remaining the same, I'm not interested in that candidate. Well, let's, let's, uh, let, let's take a plug here for Lehigh. I, I love to ask college coaches, give me your 30 second elevator pitch, right? Let's pretend I'm like, I'm 620. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a college to row. Why would I row for Lehigh right now in 2021? We're the fastest like developing team like in the Patriot League right now. We've gone from literally I told you just before, like dead last to yeah. the Patriot League expanding to we were four seconds out of a medal last year. Um, you know, yeah. and that that was in the varsity eight. Like you want to be a part of a program that's gonna be making history. We're the one that for the last five years we've made history at Lehigh over and over and over again. And there's no reason we can't keep doing that. Wow. You guys so it's really the last five years that you've grown the speed that you've seen the big, big changes. Yeah. Well that we're getting the results, but it's, Digital. it's been consistent over the last 10. How you've clearly focused on team culture. Is that, is that a fair statement to say? Yeah. To me, culture is everything. Culture is everything. Culture, I, culture defines like your fundraising defines like your com competitiveness defines the experience of the student athlete, everything. What's the culture of Lehigh rowing? Like, can you describe what that culture is, what, what it means to be a Lehigh rower? Yeah. I mean, the, everything that we do, the, uh, the athletes own. So I'm more, I don't really, I'm not a dictator of a coach. So the way we coach is everything that they need to take ownership of. So if, the, if they need to be faster on the erg, it is their responsibility to sort of seek out those answers. And usually they have to come to us in order to get those answers, which is fine, but it's on them to sort of seek them, seek them out. Um, and then on top of that, and this is going to sound like cliche, which every coach now says every day is like, it is a family where we've got athletes that, you know, they know each other's grades that are happening in, in classes and things like that, that mm -hmm. they will reach out and they will tutor their, their teammates without even asking like, because they just, they just care about the success in the classroom for their teammate, which is going to make them better on the water. Wow. Wow. I, I, I never, I'll tell you, I, I've never had that before. I didn't, I didn't have that kind of culture. We're at mainland. 
it was a bunch of egomaniacs that like just wanted to win, you know, yeah. and success bred success, but I never had, I was never on a team where we were looking out for one another. So yeah. that it, 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 as a parent, I would love for my children to go to a place where it's not just the coach is responsible for them. It's the teammates and the athletes. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I, I mean, I, I always felt the guys I rode with, like we cared a lot about each other. I still talk to a lot of those guys. I just got off the phone with a guy I rode with in 1996, like <laughs> just checking in and seeing how things are going. I um, love that. Yeah. Like well, it's, that's it's actually all about really, that. That's a really great transition to St. Joe's prep. Cause I just got to ask you, dude, like they did an amazing job this year. Right. Yeah. And as an alumni, a guy that was there in the past, what'd you think about how that year went this year? Give me, give me your feedback on how things went for St. Joe's prep and those boys. Well, well, first, I mean, John Fife and I are classmates. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So John stroked the varsity eight, I stroked the light eight or mid eight. Um, and then we were uh, in the eight. So you, were like, but you had to be button. Oh, we, yeah. Right? We, we, we kind of hated each other like a little <laughs> bit. Um, and he, he, he probably will never admit this, but we beat them in practice a lot. Like it was great. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. You still got the um, fire in you, you know, but, uh, but we went to pen together and then we were roommates together. Like, wow. Yeah. So like there was, there's that bond of being in that school and being a part of that program that I don't think ever goes away. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like, I, I think, what I took from that whole program was I learned how to work really, really hard. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what ultimately sort of gets you across the finish line first. So that's for sure. Now, are you, you got to be proud of these, these boys for, for doing so you gotta be proud of John for, for making that yeah. far. I mean, they were yeah. the most dominant and they got second place at the Charles yeah. like four days ago. Like, why are we yeah. not talking about that? Like, yeah. You know, amazing job. Yeah, I mean they they were the fastest prep varsity eight ever, and, ever? and to you say, can say that, that you, you I can will say, say that. that they were the best varsity eight ever at St. Joe's prep. Think about and, what that does for those boys forever. Like they that that's they'll never have that ever again, and I think you know that. Like they will never yeah. experience this kind of camaraderie, the 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 the, the teamwork. Uh, I'm so, I, I, you know, the guys here at Rower's Choice, all the people here, we, we joke about them and we make fun of them sometimes, but we're all secretly jealous. Yeah, you all, you all are. Because all, all of you want to be a part of it. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. I still want to be. I would do anything, anything, Brian, to sit in seventh seat of that varsity right now. And I'm sure yeah. you would too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. like... And again, like we, as you pointed out, we had really fast crews back then. We swept Stotesbury for the first time ever my junior year. We swept SRA Nationals in all the eights, like my senior year. Like we were a fast team, but like this year's team, that varsity eight, I mean, just watching them race, yeah, we, we would have gotten second to them easily. Like Not, we, we haven't had a chance, you know, he's your, he was your college roommate, very close with him. We haven't had a chance to talk to John after he lost at Henley. What what was going through his mind and the athlete's mind? I'm sure you guys connected at some point about that race. Uh, we actually haven't really talked much about it. Um, I, I know, I know. Again, like the whole um, 
selection of, of the bracket. You know, they got really sort of a, a bad selection with with a really sort of tough, tough line to get to that final. But um, I still think the way they those guys race, like they lived up to the to the prep ideals. Um, it just came unfortunately that back to back really tough teams to race. It was not an easy, easy bracket to get through this year for them. Sure. So, right. I mean, it's international racing. It, it's and I don't know if you've been to that course or not, but it's it's yeah. extremely hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what people say. It's hard. Brian, as an extra you, 112 meters, man, makes a huge, huge difference and, it, and going against the current. Yeah. Especially like knowing you got like five, six days of this, right. Cause they were there for a while. They were training. They did other regattas locally. They were yeah. training all day long. Like it ain't easy. You know? All right. So as we come to a close on this, on this sit down, what, what advice do you have for the young coach, like, give me, give me a little bit more advice on the young man or woman who wants to start in this business that wants to become a coach, either uh, at the assistant level, the head level. What do you want to say to those people? Never stop learning. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still learning from all of the people that I, I learned from you. I learned from, you know, Paul Bugenhagen, like anybody that I can, I can learn from something um, and it may not be rowing oriented. It may just be like, you know, how, how to get somebody to lead a little bit better or, you know, what are sort of the different new age things that like the younger generation needs in terms of recruiting? Like I made the mistake, going to be honest, I made the mistake when I first got here to think I knew it all. Um, and I don't, and I, and I, that was the biggest transition I made as probably a head coach. It's made me a better coach is going back to. I got to learn. I got to keep the learning curve up as much as I can. Yeah. I think a lot of the times, a lot of rowers and coaches take our sport way too seriously. And then they think that their way is the highway and it gets in, it gets, it blocks them from being really successful. Yeah. And you got to bring the fun. Got to bring the fun. fun for, yeah. I, I, I think I'd relate a lot to that. If I was ever a head coach again, I would just be smiling and enjoy myself because I think in I remember an old coach said to me, take a minute and look at what you're doing. You're in a boat on the water with your best friends. Yeah. Sure, it's a little cold outside, but how many people get to do this every morning? Yeah. I remember, I remember my senior year. I was out on the water. We were we were going to grab a launch. Um, it was me and the other men's heavyweight captain. Um, and we were talking about like, man, if we were coaches, like this would be the best job in the world. And we, neither one of us thought we were going to be coaches. And, uh, and here I am, and it is, it is the best job in the world. What a way to end a fantastic interview. I'm with Brian Connolly. Now, we talked about everything under the sun from bro growing a program and laughing about the prep and showing our jealousy of the prep. But if you want to learn more about Lehigh, I know there's links in this video. There's going to be all over our website. Take a look, Lehigh, a growing, fast-growing program. Uh, in the Patriot League. Thanks for tuning in and enjoying another episode of Rower Sports Podcast. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. It's Kevin Sauer. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Pinson. Stephanie Ricker, thank you for being here.